2: Good evening, folks. It is the Rocky Boyman Show, News Radio Seven Hundred WLW. Thoughts and prayers, everyone in Houston, um, and, and obviously, if you have family, if you're up here and you have, have family down there, uh, thoughts and prayers, everyone down there. I just saw in the news; looks like uh, Houston is going to get hit with a, a another one, a, another bout of of rain and storms and hurricanes and things like that. So, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit during the course of this show. I, I think there's there's one positive thing to come out of these natural disasters, uh, and I'll explain that a little bit here later on the show. We'll also talk about uh, Vontez Burfik and the, in my opinion, ridiculous five, uh, five-game suspension that he was uh, handed out for a, what some are calling an illegal hit, which I absolutely disagree with. But first, we're going to start off the show. Um, so the Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati City Council race is right around the corner here in November, and the uh, it was just decided, I guess what, late last week, um, the the ballot was finalized, okay, and so there'll be uh, twenty seven candidates uh, all vying for nine open seats, and there's some some incumbents on the on that are on the list as well, some folks that have been on council before, now they're trying to get back in, and certainly some newcomers. So uh, join us right now to break down this race is the one and only Jason Williams, Jason Williams of the Cincinnati Enquirer. How are you, buddy? Good, Rock. How you doing? Very good. So, uh, so let's good. talk about this. First of all, let me ask you this, Jason. What, what is the expected? Well, I, I guess what was the normal turnout for for city council races by number usually?
3: Uh, voter turnout yeah. is it's it's about the same, a little bit more than the the uh, mayoral race, which is twenty nine percent in twenty thirteen. Okay. Um. So it's a little a little bit higher. Just because some people just come and they vote for uh, a handful of city council members and then leave, or, you know, <laughs> run right. their ballot in and leave. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, like, like for example, uh, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the numbers just because the numbers go around around in my head. So,
2: But what about, you're saying about 25, 30% turnout, which is, I mean, not exactly that high for a, a pretty important position on city. And, and we're talking about city council, right?
3: Yeah, the, the Cincinnati city election in 2013, I do know, it was 29% turnout. Okay. So, uh, you know, that was for the mayor and the mayoral, and the nine council seats were on the ballot that year. And there was 29. 29- Percent of voters turned out that year,
2: right? So In the mayoral which is race, pretty bad, right? It's pretty bad. And the mayoral race will also be on this ticket as well. So, so look at some of the uh, the, the candidates here, uh, Jason. Obviously, the, the incumbents. We have Amy Murray, uh, who's the the lone Republican. We have Wendell Young, David Mann, P.G. Sittenfeld, Chris Seelbach. Uh, out of those, again, incumbents, folks that have been on city council uh, a lot of them for a while. Uh, how do you how do you gauge this race? And any surprises coming out of, out of this list of? incumbents
3: no and i think i think christopher smitherman also so there's six incumbents that's right he's on there as well um, yes,
2: sorry mm-hmm.
3: yeah no n- no surprises i i think barring any anything crazy they all six get reelected. um it's it actually we're down to 25 people now because a couple people didn't have enough valid signatures mm-hmm. and they're still checking uh for two other folks but these are Kind of people who you wouldn't recognize that are not kind of household names per per se in Cincinnati. So you're looking at 25, 23 people in the race. Um, there were 21 in 2013. Um, the thing is, I like, you know, the six incumbents, I don't, I wouldn't expect them to have any problems getting reelected. Uh, I think I wrote in my story last, or my column last week was that you always have to, if you're a Republican in this, blue trending city you all you can't take anything for granted right. even though amy murray is has been a very good council uh, person is very uh respected and well liked on both sides of the aisle uh she's still taking nothing for granted i heard today that she's probably uh um going to potentially even hit like four hundred thousand dollars raised for the race i know wow. she was at over 130 uh, for halfway through the year, so wow. that wouldn't surprise me. No,
2: yeah. no, I mean, I, I certainly I, I like Amy Murray a lot. I think she does a fantastic job. But I guess my only it, the the concern with her is look back at the last race. You know, Tracy Winkler gets beat. Right? When's the last time a Winkler yep. got beat in Hamilton County? Um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a you know demographic that's trending more Democrat, trending more liberal. So I just wonder how that how that works out for her.
3: Yeah, I you know, I mean, in in this race. Uh, you don't have to get. I mean, it being a field race, she finished ninth last time um, and beat Lori Quinlevin by 800 and some votes. Who finished tenth and or first runner up? Um, the The field is is not as strong this time. I don't feel like, um, but again, I don't think you can take anything for granted as a as a Republican. Um, and I, and she's not like she's out working hard and raising mm-hmm. a lot of money mm-hmm. and um you know the party actually the party being the statewide party views her as a part of having a big future in in the party yeah. and so she's really i mean she's got to win uh, this re-election to stay on that track to potentially be there's been a lot of talk about her maybe being Mike DeWine's lieutenant governor um she clearly would have to win her city council race to sort of stay on that track.
2: Right, but but if she could win, that obviously if she can, you know, become the the lone Republican in, in an area that's going to be all Democrat or or other or otherwise, that's uh-huh. that's going to bode, bode very well for her future.
3: Oh, absolutely. It absolutely will. And uh I I just I think she just has, she has a bright future in the party and I I honestly I don't I don't think she's going to have a problem getting reelected to council, but, you know, you just never know with the, I would have said, I did say this, that the Tracy Winkler wouldn't have gotten beat by Aftab, pure of all, last yeah, year. Or a Dieters would by have gotten beaten yeah.
2: in, in in Hamilton County, that's it's unheard of.
3: It, it is unheard of, although that one was a little different, because you had yeah. Three House, which is another big name, and I, you look at the top of the ticket, and Hamilton County went for Hillary, and so that one wasn't. So much a
2: surprise. Right. What about this? And I know you talked about this in your article. By the way, look up Jason's article. Broke down the race, you know, but by every which way, right? Of, of how this thing could go. Uh, you talked about, what, yeah, no, you talked about Wendell Young. <laughs> That's a good one because you and I talked uh, about a month ago when that whole, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, gangster like, uh, takeover of trying to finagle a few more dollars at a children's hospital and he was absent from some meetings. So do you think that, Action will will affect uh, Wendell Young possibly. I, I, you know, I think it's
3: certainly worth looking at. I think he will he'll lose some votes because of it, but in the end, your overall uh, all you need to pull in the overall vote to get on council is about five and a half percent of the overall vote. So, in a field race, like if you have a strong base, which he has, a strong. Right. Uh, base in, a, in an African American voting block. Um, and if you have a strong base or bases like that, you've got a great chance of getting back on. He certainly has not, uh, upset, uh, that base of folks, um, or that base of uh, voters. Um, where, you know, it hurt him, I think, is probably with some among like white Democrats.
4: Right.
3: Uh, might view it as, uh, I don't, I didn't like that decision in terms of, the economic development aspect of it, but it's certainly something to watch. Uh, he finished seventh last time, uh, so he, it wasn't like he was a big shoe in last time. But I mean, his his name is very strong in terms of in city elections. He's been around long enough now, and so in the end, I don't think he this costs him the light, the election.
2: Jason Williams of the Cincinnati Enquirer joins. We're uh, getting uh, breaking down the uh, city council race coming up here now you, you in your article you talked about top and jason turn if you had a radio on turn that radio down in the background i think we're getting a little, little feedback there um, uh,
3: i was out here I'm, I'm out here walking on the street in wyoming and there's like a there was a a fire truck just drove by. Oh,
2: okay, got gotcha, you, got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Okay. No, no okay now? No, yeah, it's perfect. Um, so you talked okay, talking okay. about uh, top returning contenders: uh, Laurie Quinn Levin, who's been on council before, also uh, Greg Landsman and Michelle Dillingham. Now, tell me a little bit about Greg Landsman and Michelle Dillingham, because I frankly don't know much about them.
3: Yeah, Greg Landsman is. Uh, um, he's around forty years old. He's been. He's a former. He was part of the Ted Strickland administration. When, uh, yeah, you know, he was governor. I think he was this base, based, uh, guru. I'm not, I can't remember the exact title that he had in, in his administration, but he did a lot of community engagement types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and is raising a ton of money. He finished, uh, third for the first six months of the year. The only, there are only three people who brought in six figures, and it was PG Sidenfeld, Amy Murray, and Greg Lansman. Wow. Um he was the guy who was very instrumental in getting the preschool Levy passed last year in the city of Cincinnati. Okay, his background right. is his background is educational policy. And so he um worked for this organization called Strive, which is an educational partnership program. And he really uh I mean he's been praised from all angles for for making that happen, and it passed. It's a levy that passed with flying colors, and levies are hard to pass around here. And he,
2: it passed by like twenty points. No, no, no question. Obviously, if it, with his with that kind of background and the fact, you know, the name recognition obviously in elections, whether it's city council or anything, is everything. So the fact that he has a bit of name recognition is good. What about uh, Michelle Dillon? Here? Yeah. What's what's the what's the story with that?
3: And I'll point out too; uh, those two also ran. Uh, in 2013 and they finished, I just called it, uh, second and third runner up. Um, so whatever that is, 11th and 12th. Okay. Uh, Michelle Dillingham is a, uh, social worker from Kennedy Heights, um, very, uh, progressive liberal, um, very, uh, is a, a lot of times out in front on a lot of, um, you know, when you see a lot of protests, uh, in terms of, like women's marches, you'll see her out a lot of those. She's really made a name for herself in terms of getting out in the community in that way. Uh I hate the term grassroots because it's overused, but I, I think of the term grassroots and I think of her. Like she's not someone who's raised a lot of money, but she's made a name for herself uh by really getting out there and just sort of beating beating the path and knocking on doors and making sure she's everywhere and working hard in that way.
2: Absolutely. Uh, other folks involved in this race, uh, Derek Bauman, who was very heavily involved in the streetcar, uh, former, this was interesting, former police officer in Mason. He did not get the FOP endorsement, but despite, you know, being a part of that union for a while, that was a little bit uh, of a head scratcher. Also, Seth Manny. I had him on my show, uh, Jason, uh, about a month or so ago, and, and I thought he had a pretty good story and had a, had a pretty good uh, vision behind him. What about the chances of uh, some of those or maybe some of those dark horse candidates?
3: Uh, Derek, Derek is, uh, he's run a really good campaign. That was certainly a head scratcher when the FOP did not endorse him. What
0: I'm was the story on that? Yeah, yeah, With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just
4: about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo when we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com.
0: Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call. Working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov/careers. I have not gotten to that. I have not. I have not figured out why. Um, I mean, I have. I could speculate on it, uh, but I think even my speculation is kind of weak. Uh, I mean, I have heard some people say, "Oh, because he's a big pro streetcar person," but I. I don't know in the end, like if the cops really, uh, care, yeah, the yeah, union yeah, cares, care, whether you want one, one side or the other on that. Um, he's not in the Cranley coalition per se. Uh, but I, I don't know if that hurt him or not either. Uh, here's a guy, and even Willie's had him on a show before talking about, uh, police community relations stuff. He retired last year after, I think 20, 25 years as a police officer in Mason. In very good standing, he was uh, the president of his uh, of his police union yeah. for several years in in Mason, uh, an upstanding person who's very much uh, pro police. Uh, so I'm not sure. No, what he's great. Story. I've, had,
2: I've had him on my show before. Yeah, he's 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 yeah. great. Oh yeah, so, okay. yeah, 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 absolutely. Um,
3: uh, Seth Maney, here's Seth Maney's thing: is that he is a new guy, and it's really hard, even in a field race, um, and so is Derek Bauman uh, it's really hard to win your first time that you've never run before. No one recognizes who your name is, mm-hmm. and so his his play is that he's made some noise in terms of kind of going after Chris Seelbach, and you know I think that's a whole strategy that I'm trying to make a name for myself. That of course is. that's the other that's the other openly gay person, and and Seth Maney is openly openly gay. That's the other Seelbach being another openly gay candidate. And so I'm going to show you that identity politics don't mean anything to me, and I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's trying to make a name for himself in that way. The thing with him is that what he's, he's trying to position himself is to be, like if Amy Murray, as we talked about earlier, goes on and leaves her council seat early, Seth Maney wants to be in position to be that person appointed to her seat. That's where I he's see. at right now.
2: Okay. Well, and to your yeah. point, a lot of times, yeah, first time on a ballot, I mean, that's often the strategy with any anybody running for any sort of office is kind of, look, Throw your name out there one time. You probably take it on the on the chin a little bit, but then all of a sudden you've you've shown you can raise some money. You showed you, know, you can connect with voters a little bit, and then the next time around, people know you a little more. You got some experience, and then you yeah. you, you go forward. So that would make sense if he does. If he's not successful this time around, of uh, possibly if, if Amy Murray moves on to something higher, maybe he's that person that slips in and is the one one or two Republicans on City Council.
3: Yeah, and you know what, like. In, I I ask a lot of people questions in the party, uh, the local Hamilton County Republican Party. He's very well-liked. He's very much viewed as, like, the party loves it, that there's this new guy, Mm -hmm. kind of this new image of the Republican Party locally. Um, He's a nice-looking guy, tall. He presents well. um, He's got a nice background in terms of some work he's done in uh, mm -hmm. development. Yeah. And so they, they see him at, they being the Republican party see him as having a future, uh, what that is beyond city council right now. Who knows? I mean, this is, just, he's only been in this race a couple months and it's the first time he's ever run for anything. So, you know, we, we reporters like to try, to, I told Joe Dieters this the other day, like we reporters like to, um, try to promote or demote politicians, just speculate or try to put puzzle pieces together and, you know, we want, we want you to be in that job or we think Aftab Raval is going to be the president of the United States someday. And it's just like <laughs> so many, <laughs> you know, no. I, I don't, I don't say it. there are some people who do say that. No, of course. Um, I do think he, you know, could be in position to go for Ohio attorney general at some point and maybe beyond that, but, um, we kind of like to, Speculate and think. Oh, where's this person going? And this person's a rising star. Well, and it's, all it's like
2: anything. It's like it's like watching. Like you know, I'm involved in, in sports, and you know, people see yeah, uh, a high school senior and like, oh my god, well he's going to be a first round draft pick. And boy, wouldn't he look good uh, playing for the Houston Texans? I'm like, what? Are you, what? What are we doing here? You know, it's, uh, it's a, yeah. lot, a lot that has happen. It's to a lot happen. like sports, right? It is. You're, you're right. You're right. A lot of parallels to it. Uh, Jason, last thing for, uh, before I let you run here, um, race is obviously right around the corner, of November are there any sort of issues or sort of things that will help narrow this field down a little bit that you can see as we get closer to November?
3: Man, that's tough. I know we talked about three or four uh, three weeks ago or something about what are the defining issues in this race. It's still really tough to figure out what that's going to be. And I, I think maybe that's part of why Seth Maney was trying to, other than make a name for himself, he's trying to establish something that to, get, to grab headlines, um, you know, by going after another council member, a field race that's kind of ill-advised to do that in a field race. that's more of a horse race kind of thing. Mm. Um, I, you know, there, there's been talk about blight in the city. That's been a big issue and not a sexy issue like the streetcar was four years ago. Um, but there's been a lot of talk about that, and I've heard council candidates Talk about that. Uh, there's talk about poverty, um,
2: right? But, but no big like yeah, streetcar or uh, sanctuary city. You know nothing like really big yeah. kind of headline grabbing like it, that. Exactly, right. exactly. I,
3: I do think I do think you're going to see this this children's hospital vote that was done earlier in the month come back to uh, come back to roost. I guess in this in this election in terms of oh,
2: yeah, that'll be used absolutely. Yeah, certainly in the
3: mayor's that. race it'll be used, but. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just been really, it's been really tough to gauge. Like you, ask, I ask this stuff all the time, and I you know, people don't seem to really know what it's going to be.
2: Gotcha. Well, good deal, Jason. Look, we, we got to yeah. run, my friend, but uh, appreciate uh, your time here tonight. Make sure you check out Jason's work, uh, Politics Extra on Cincinnati.com. and Jason, we'll talk again soon, right?
3: Thanks, Rock. Sounds nice. great. Appreciate thank it. You. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Um, so let's do this. We will uh, take a break here. I uh, will probably go straight to the news when we come back. A, a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about uh, the Houston floods. I want to talk about the Vontez kit. I think that was. I think Vontez Burfict is obviously being unfairly targeted because of his past experience. But I think it's an apples and oranges kind of uh, correlation there. Kind of, apples and oranges, sort of a, um, a thing, kind of happening there. And I'll explain what I mean by that next. Seven hundred WLW. All right, we are back. Welcome back to the show. Um, Jim Ozarski from the Enquirer is going to join me here um, at, uh, after the 10 o'clock news. Talk, uh, of course, a little bit about the Burfick deal, but also I guess the appeal is coming tomorrow. Uh, Jim actually reported that, and so we'll see all the ins and outs of that and what he expects to come from that decision. I, I think, g- given Burfick's history, it's going to be hard to make a case for an appeal. Now, the, the case is going to be that, is that the hit was, you know, in the opinion of a lot of people, including yours truly, not an illegal hit. Was it a vicious hit? Yes. But there's a lot of things that are vicious about the game of football. That, by the way, is why millions and millions of people watch it. That's why it's a what sixteen billion dollar a year industry. You know, love it or hate it, that's that's, there's, there's, that's some of the facts. So uh, I want to get into that, but but quickly, I want to do something. Um, um I want to thank uh, a guy at the Enquirer, uh, Adam Baum. He wrote a really nice article about me on Friday, uh, and it got some some pub over the weekend, and it was pretty cool, especially an extension of uh, at a speech I gave at an Enquirer Storytellers event where we were – we were, I, I spoke a little bit about it on there, but we we, we came in and talked about, you know, the importance of, of you know, high school sports and this and that, and I've told a story about a play against Moeller, and, and the point of my story was – I, in a, in the span of an hour, I experienced the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. Right, I catch a hail mary in the end zone. Um, that was one of the you know greatest sing- singular plays I've probably ever made. Right, To send the game in the overtime. Hail mary in the back corner of the end zone with no time on the clock, and then you know forty five minutes later, we we lost the game in, in crushing fashion. So the point was, there's life lessons in there. Right? There's life lessons of how to do that, and that, that's one of the main themes. Of of that speech and of the article, I I'm of the opinion that you don't you can't teach anybody anything, right? I don't think. I mean, how many of you out there, when it came to like things you really know and you understand the ins and outs, of, learned them in a classroom? No, right. Most of the time, it's when you experience them. That that's how you learn. You learn through experiences, right? I I mean, I'm I'm not good at math, but the math I am good at is, you know, because when i was young when my dad would say hey we got this uh, air, this area right here it's 12 foot by 30 foot how many square feet of lumber do we need and you're like what huh? Huh? And you go you got to you know, figure that out and you got to figure out if this board is supposed to be you know 16 and three quarters inches and the other ones you know those kind of practical things you learn because you're you're touching it you're feeling it you're experiencing those sort of things and, and to me that's the the biggest benefit of sports, in particular high school sports, is it's where you you learn these things, and many benefits of high school sports. And of course, one of the big ones is the, the chance to get a scholarship and to go beyond and to you know go get your college paid for. And, and of course, that's part of it, but to me, even more than that, it's the sport itself provides a petri dish, right, for you to learn and experience things. You can't teach, especially these days, man. Are you kidding me? I mean, social media, uh, social media is an absolute cesspool. Try learning about race. Try learning about anything on social media. And and it's it's impossible. It's just it's just right. Absolutely terrible. There's it's a bunch of people with stupid opinions confined into 140 characters on topics that can't be elaborated on, and think you can't learn from someone preaching to you. You got to experience it. That's kind of what I said in the article. I learned about you know hard work and perseverance. Through sports, not from somebody telling me, you know what, Rocky, when the going gets tough, the tough kick. No, I learned from you know from having experienced failure and loss and getting cut and and losing a, a, a game in crushing fashion. That's how you experience, man. What am I going to do here? I got a choice. I can either you know kind of just lay on the ground here, or I can get back up. Right? How, how did I learn about? You know race relations and how to be tolerant of other races from someone telling me no from from someone giving me a, a, a sermon on Twitter absolutely not I learned it from being involved in sports at a very young age and, and you're like, hey look that guy over there he looks different from me but damn it we're all kind of fighting for the same goal we want to win that that's how you learn and to me that's what I what I just I'm very passionate about as you can tell and, and I hate to see that the assault that is on sports these days both from People that are worried about injuries too much. Uh, people that from the kids that are not playing sports because they're on social media and they're on the computers and the iPhones all the time. And also, look, there's a lot of school districts around the country that are facing budget problems. And what's the first thing that's that's that's, that's to go? Well, it's usually sports, right? Usually, it's you know, it's the, the band, you know, the music class, and then sports. That's going to go way way before you know math, history, science, and all that. And rightfully so, but. I, there's a, there's so many things you learn from. It's not just the sport in general. It's the lessons you learn, big time stuff, right? Leadership, you know, how to cooperate with other people, uh, perseverance, discipline, those sort of things. That's that's what you learn through sports. Anyway, Adam wrote a really great article, and uh, check it out if uh, if you had a chance. And, and especially thank you to him. So now on to uh, on Devontae Berwick So he was fined for a hit that happened, or not fined. Excuse me, he was suspended for five games. That's a lot, five games.
5: Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What
0: if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
2: Uh, especially the league are deeming as an illegal hit that happened over a week ago in the Kansas City game. You've seen the video by now. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. If not, just... Type in, you know, V-O, and you, boom, Vontae's perfect hit will come up, right? It's, it's, it's out there. It's viral, as they say. And so if you watch the hit, you know, he came a running back came across the middle. The ball didn't actually up, wind up going to him, but he blew the guy up. I mean, a total de-clear. I mean, candidly, as a foot, former football player, the kind of hit you dream about. The kind of where or, like, you just absolutely unload on somebody, right? Can I say that? I just said it. So anyway, a lot of people are saying, well, it's illegal hits, dirty, this and that. And my opinion is was it a vicious hit? Absolutely. Was it a totally necessary hit? I don't know. But was it an illegal hit? No. A couple of things you look at look for that, that stuck out to me when you start talking about illegal hits and what's legal, what's illegal. The hit was, was within five yards. In the NFL, there's a five-yard kind of contact area where contact is, is allowed. So it was within five yards. Then you start to look at the illegal natures of of what is what is a a vicious hit, right? Was there forcible contact uh, to the head or neck area, which is the definition of of a, of a you know of a, you know, a targeting? No, there was not that. Did he use the crown of his helmet? No. Did he did he launch right? A lot of times when they talk about illegal hits, they talk about so a player launching their body into another player. Did he leave his feet and launch himself? Absolutely not. And the other case I would make is. If you watch the play, okay, and and this is speaking as as a former player, former linebacker in particular, what a linebacker is looking at for when you're when you're trying to break on the ball, when you're trying to break up a pass, that sort of thing, you're looking at the quarterback's front shoulder, okay. So if a right-handed quarterback, you're looking at the left shoulder. The 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 off shoulder is essentially the the scope, like a like a scope on a gun or the crosshairs on a gun. That left shoulder is going to point and going to tell you where the ball is going to go. Okay, so if you follow that front shoulder, that's gonna get you in the direction, the general vicinity of where that ball is gonna be thrown. So if you look at that front shoulder, and I'm sure what Vontez Berfick was looking at, he saw a quarterback with that shoulder pointed right down the middle of the field, the offhand comes off the ball. And as soon as the offhand comes off the ball, a linebacker is taught to slam his foot in the ground, and if the receiver is not vicinity, Obviously, you want to time it up, but you know, boom. That's that's when you that's when you're taught to break on the ball. And I just wonder if in that split second of time, he thought maybe there's a chance this ball could go to that wide receiver, and therefore he then clobbered And I again, vicious, yes. Did he have to have to do it? Probably not. But I, you can also make the case. Look, this is a part of the of the game, a part of at least in the way it, it used to be played, and that is. A term of, of, of physical toughness in a way of um, psychologically affecting the other team, right? Where you take a shot like that in hopes that the next time, uh, say they, say you're playing a team the next week, in in the game plan, the offense calls for a play where a running back is supposed to cross or go across the middle. I guarantee you, after watching that tape, okay, the the, the team that, that's lining up the next week, that, that, that running back's raising his hand in the room and saying, Coach, Yo, did you see that play last week? I ain't running across the middle with that guy. We've got to change the game plan. You, you better or send someone else. I'm not doing it. And if you're a wide receiver, you watch that play go. Wow. Man, i got a shallow cross across the middle here. And I know Vontaze Berwick's back there. He's going to unload on me. I, so, in other words, because of the physical nature of the game, which, again, is why people love the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. It's the physicality of it. You're affecting the game plan. You're affecting the strategy of the other team through physical force and the other yes, the other issue is this we're gonna get the calls 513-749-7000 pound 700 AT&T 1-800 the big one there's an emphasis this year on what's called defenseless posture quote unquote okay now what what is defenseless posture well if you look at the rules <laughs> the rules the rules that define defenseless posture the NFL does as a receiver attempting to catch a pass who has not had time to clearly become a runner. Now, is there anything more vague than a statement I just read? What, what is, what does clearly become a runner mean? Is that a, a, a half a second after he catches the ball? Is it one full second after he catches the ball? Is it after he catches it and then secures the ball? Does he have to then secure the ball, then turn his shoulders and his eyes up? When is that? When does that person clearly become a runner? In other words, to me, that the, this phrase defenseless posture, is very very vague and very very subjective. In a way, it's kind of like the uh, completing the process of the catch. Right? We all look around. We see a wide receiver dive for a ball. You know, it lands in the end zone. Touchdown. The ground causes the ball, the ball to pop out a little bit, and they say, so "Like what? It sure, the hell looked like a catch to me, right?" But he didn't complete the process of the catch, Rocky. What does that mean? I don't know. Same thing with. De- defenseless posture. I think it's very, very vague. And ultimately, Vontaze Berfic, in my opinion, got targeted because of his past history. Now, I, I am all for that. I- I'm all for the fact that, you know, your your resume kind of precedes you a little bit when it comes to illegal hits. But I think he got fined or he got suspended for a hit that wasn't illegal because of a past history. It's very, very different things. If a player, say, um say he has a, dom- a domestic uh, assault on his on his record right yeah you know, hit, hit a woman whatever. so then later on and that's that's something he's going to be held accountable for that's going to be on his record the whole rest of the time in the league but then later on say a year later he gets a a, a parking ticket or, or whoa, whoa he gets see, in trouble with the law there we go what it's it's, it's totally two separate different things here and i think Vontez perfect's pass actions and the twisting of Cam Newton's leg and, and the hit on Antonio Brown uh, are much, much different, much more intentional, much more, in my opinion, illegal by the way I read the rules than was this hit. 513-749-7000 pound 700 AT&T 1-800-BIG. one. Let's take a, a quick break and we'll come back with a few phone calls. 700-WLW. You know, often on this show I talk about how I hate social media. And I think there's there's so many more negatives to it. There's bullying. There's just, just terrible opinions and terrible people. And all these things are brought out on social media. Here's another example. In my opinion, if it wasn't so for social media, if social media did not exist, I don't think this suspension would have been laid down upon Vontez. Perfect. The hit would have happened. Some people would have talked about it. And that would have been it. But now because people make a little video and they make a little GIF and a little GIF and a little biff or whatever the hell it's called... And now everyone, this like mob mentality comes out, and everyone goes freaking out, and everyone sees the video a thousand times and all this like like phony anger gets gets drawn up, and now all of a sudden, well, the NFL, oh God, we got to do something. Everyone's outraged. Not everyone's outraged. It's just like like people on Twitter. <laughs> I swear to God, I, it's my opinion. Take that for what it is. Let's go to the phones. Let's go, to, uh, Greg on a cell. Greg, you're on the big one. Fire away. What do you got?
6: Hey, Rock. How's it going? Good evening. Good. How are you? Good. Hey, you know, I kind of wonder how many people in Roger Goodell's office have ever played high school or college football. Because I'll tell you what Vontaze Perfect did, and I'll I'll try to say this quick and you can respond. I think he was reading his key, and his key was that fullback. His job was to make sure that fullback did not catch that ball. So when that fullback broke in the same direction as that pass went, his job was not not to look at the ball, it's to look at the player to make sure he did not catch that ball
2: a hundred percent i i agree with you and i and I basically said that earlier because the the, the front shoulder of the quarterback was pointing that way now if the front the, the, right. the, the quarter the shoulder of the quarterback been pointing to the left side of the field and Vontez. Clear on the sideline of the other part of the field, just decked to re- oh, maybe, but it, to, in my opinion, that whole deal was way too close to call. It happened kind of bang bang, and and yeah, if you don't know some of the ins and outs of how the positions played and how defense happens and how quickly these things all go down, I, I think you say, oh, well, he he meant to he, he meant to hit him in a dirty fashion. I, I don't necessarily think so. I, I mean, he's he's being an aggressive player, which is why he has paid a lot of money by the Cincinnati Bengals because he walks got, that line. Right, he walks that good. line.
6: Yeah, and I got to tell you this, you know, you know when you played you know, in your junior high school and you play in high school, because I played in GCL just as you did, you know, that's the first thing you taught. You taught your kids, and that was his key on that play. Look at the fullback, see what he does, or running back, see what he does. He comes out, he's your man. Yeah. You got sure, to make sure he doesn't catch the ball. If he does catch it, you got to separate the ball from the player. It's plain and simple. It's
2: basic football. Absolutely, and Greg, you're absolutely right. And thank you for the call. And that's that's again part of this deal of defenseless posture. What does that even mean? I mean, if if, if it means what it, it potentially could mean, that is, players are supposed to just let 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 the receivers catch the ball. Now you're going to have. A lot of outrage if this starts to become a thing where players are expected, hey, just let the guy catch the ball, let him get his feet, let him get balanced, let him turn his shoulders and his vision upfield, and then go try tackling. Are you kidding me? There's, there's no way. A defensive player doesn't have a chance if that's the way this is going to go. And with, with this being a suspension and this being now an area of emphasis, I, I, I wonder how far that this thing is actually going to go. I, I don't think it, it was a it was a vicious hit. Did he need to do it? Maybe not. But again, I'd make the case that part of his deal is to intimidate people out there and to deter the team from utilizing certain strategies in a game. And I think he did that with that hit. And because of his past history, which is an apples and oranges comparison, he got suspended, and now the Bengals are screwed because they're missing for five games, four of those five games, by the way. Um, it's uh, the Ravens, the Texans, at Green Bay, at the Cleveland, and the Bills at home. Four of those five, very, very winnable. And it looks like most likely the Bengals will have to do it without Vontez Perfect. We're going to take a break. we got the news that Jim Ozarski, 700 WLW. All right, it's hour number two, the Rocky Boyman Show, News Radio Seven Hundred WLW. So, besides Vontez perfect getting fined, there's actually some positive news when it pertains to the Bengals. If you watch that game, the third preseason game, otherwise known as the dress rehearsal, Bengals look really good, man, really, really good. Dalton looked great. First drive, uh, fifteen plays, eighty-seven yards. All the. Offensive weaponry was on display there. AJ Green, Boyd, LaFell got to see a little mixing. Jeremy Hill had a nice touchdown run. The defense looked athletic. Defensive ends were getting after the quarterback. So, so a lot, a lot of positives coming out of that uh, that game there. And to discuss that and much more is the one and only Jim Mozarski from the Cincinnati Enquirer. Jim, how are you?
1: Good, Rock. How are you?
2: Very good. So uh, let's first talk with uh, touch on Burfict. Now you reported that. I guess Vontez Burfict is going to appeal that suspension. Is that going to go down tomorrow? Is that the case? Yes. He's going to meet with, in
1: a conference call, meet with uh, James Thrash, part of the, the Player Disciplinary Council. Uh, James Thrash is an independent uh, arbitrator, if you will, uh, agreed upon by the NFL and the NFLPA. Um, and he he's a two man team, uh, the other one being Derek Brooks and Vontez Berfect. Did not have a good experience with Derrick Brooks a year ago when he appealed his three-game suspension (laughs) and the Hall of Fame linebacker said, nope you're sticking at three. So uh, Montez is hoping that the former wide receiver is a little more forgiving. Well,
2: that's what I was just going to say. It's not looking good because Derek Brooks has already his <laughs> history of rolling against him. Then the other guy is going against is James Thress, who who is by, by
5: blood. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba. Casinos home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and
0: conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply.
5: Investing involves risk. 3% match requires goal for
2: one year from first match. Must keep rate for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. And by position, a wide receiver. It's not looking good for Vontez right now, Jim. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know I, we'll see. It, you know it doesn't it doesn't look good when when the first time you do this they don't knock any games off. It, you, you wonder how they view it now. The second time around, for sure.
2: Absolutely. So I mean, how, how soon do you think we'll get any sort of verdict?
1: Well, I, that's a great question. I mean, it seems these things seem to happen pretty quickly. Um, you know, the Ezekiel Elliott case now that's being held, met by another uh independent arbitrator that also begins tomorrow. I don't know if if I I'm just speculating. I don't know if one has anything to do with the other. You figure the Elliott thing's going to go on forever, but you just kind of wonder how how much can the league or the PA juggle with, you know, whatever. But look, this news came out uh the, the Bengals found out that Burford was suspended on Friday. No one knew about it until Sunday night. Mm. Um you, you know everyone's going to be banging on their door. Uh, as soon as possible, um, the Bengals obviously don't really need to know until the tenth <laughs> or the ninth. Well, basically, Rocky, I'm, I'm talking around saying I don't know. I, I, I mean, it could be <laughs> right. it could be as soon as tomorrow. Um, you know, if James Thrash hears the case, is like, I, you know, hey, you broke the rules, man. I there's. There's nothing to do here. Um, or, hey, let me deliberate on this. Let me go through some things. So I could see it happening right away. I could see it taking a couple of days for sure.
2: Uh, Jimmy, you wrote a great article uh, talking about the ins and outs of, of the hit and the suspension. And, and one of the things you talked about, and, and I touched on earlier, to me, and I love your thoughts on this, is that this is obviously an area of emphasis this year, this Phrase defenseless posture. And I think, you know, I look at the rule and, and, you know, it's defenseless posture is defined as a receiver attempting to catch a pass who has not had time to clearly become a runner. To me, Jim, that's very, very vague. There's a lot of wiggle room. And when is a runner a runner? Is it when he catches the ball? Is it when he turns up field? Is it when he puts a foot down? It's kind of like the complete the process of the catch rule. That's also very subjective and causes fans to pull their hair out. Well, how do you? See How do you see the, the definition of a, a defenseless posture when it comes to a wide receiver or, or a back?
1: Yeah, and I think that's why you saw the, the Bengals come out with a statement in at midnight this morning, which is very rare for them. I think it's because they've – I don't know if if anybody really knows just yet and, and because clearly the Bengals' Vontaze felt – you know, the, the Kansas City fullback was not defenseless. Um, clearly the league did. So when I watch it, um, I, you know, they they say it's by the, you can't hit him in the back, you can't hit him by the side. And I think, I, I think the subtle difference, Rocky, if I'm going to, because he is suspended, so the league is saying that hit is illegal. So mm-hmm. if that's the basis, to me, if, the, if he just happened to be looking at Vontez, I don't know if he gets suspended. Because, you know, there was no launching. There was no helmet-to-helmet. Helmet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was shoulder-to-chest. You know, he didn't take his knees out. Um, there were, but the fact that his head was turned towards the quarterback, meaning he did not see him Therefore couldn't protect himself. To me, that's the definition. And, and they've shown some other plays that are legal, and that when, when a defender did the exact same thing Vontez did, the difference being the, the, the tight end or the fullback was squared up. his head was looking at the defender and saw that contact coming. Um, you know so I, I think if, if this is illegal, to me, that subtle head turn is the biggest. The biggest difference of of what a a defenseless receiver is is him not even looking at you. And, again, that brings up that whole question, Rock. You played the game. That defender has to to make that decision. Is he looking at
2: me? Can he see me right now? Um, Well, and and I'll have to look at those plays, Jim, because, I mean, to me, I I mean – I, I, I can't. I can't see any circumstance where a wide receiver is looking at the defender. You're always, you're always right. looking at the ball. You know what I mean. So right. to me, that that's part of the ambiguity. So you know, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time, the receiver, and rightfully so, is going to be looking at the quarterback and looking to see right. what's happening. So within that to, to me draws a, a lot of, a, a lot of gray area because yeah. it, where does it, where does it go from there? Is, is it again, is it now somehow from this goes, goes on down the line? And it's now, well, you got to wait till the guy catches the ball and turns up field. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of defensive players looking real stupid and missing a lot of tackles and, and, yeah. and getting fired. If, yeah. if, if, it, if that's what this rule starts to go down that path is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, it's fair. Hey, look, and, and I'm sure in his appeal, Vontaze will say, look, the official's looking right at me. He didn't throw a flag. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, yeah. and and he and he maintains that the Kansas City player didn't feel it was a dirty hit. I mean, there was no confrontation. I mean, look, Vontaze has got a reputation. If if the guy thought it was a cheap shot, you'd think the kid would have got up and, and made a scene out of it. You know what I mean? And uh, And there was none of that. So I think, you know, <laughs> It's a newer rule, and I will say this, Rocky, and I know it's going to come across as somewhat, you know, may, maybe an anti-Berfick guy will say this is homerish, but I do think new rule. What better guy to swing the hammer at than a point. guy who's already been suspended for three games for safety, an accumulation of safety-related violations? Because look, this league is based on, it's not based on PR. They take PR into account. No one in this country on a national level is going to run to the age of Vontez Perfect. I think what we've seen, and I'm actually writing this for tomorrow at Cincinnati.com, Rocky, the media right now is kind of, they're not sure. There's a lot of, was this illegal? Like no one knows yet. So I think the league is saying, no, it is illegal. This guy did it wrong. No one else do it this way. And I, I, you know, and unfortunately for Vontez, we wrote about this, talked about this so much last year, Rocky, when he came off that suspension, he he can't live in that gray area. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, they, I
2: I understand. I understand that. I, it's but I, to me, sometimes it's a it's an apples and oranges kind of thing. You can't just f- fine suspend the guy for other stuff because of his past record. Now, if it isn't a, a dirty hit, I, I I see it. But but, but right. back to your first point, though, I, it, it's a hell of a of a conspiracy but dude i think you're right on the money if the nfl is coming out with a brand new rule and man we want to we want to get this rule across and how can we get it with the least amount of pushback let's pin it on this guy named Vontez perfect who's a pro bowl linebacker who has a history of of uh, not being a nice guy so the, from a pr standpoint a lot more people will be on our side it's it's diabolically genius and i think you're absolutely right i think you're absolutely right
1: yeah it it's look and i and I know there's a, a factor here too because people run to us hey Mike Mitchell in Pittsburgh and all these players a, b, C d look the rules change every year. I can't speak to why other guys aren't finders or suspended. I don't know um but it look, this is a new rule or newest rule, newest point of emphasis, and again, it's the preseason look, rocky, we always talk about points of emphasis right. They are always enforced most often, most strictly, most harshly in the preseason. Then usually by, like, week 12, 13, you're like, nobody even thinks sure. about it anymore. Right. right? So it's just, I think it's a perfect storm of, of 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 events and rules and a player. And honestly, Rocky, look, I, do, I, I don't know. I can't sit here and tell you he broke that rule. Uh, the league did, obviously. But what I can say definitively is he probably shouldn't have done it. He probably shouldn't have put himself in that spot when a a shove, an extended arm shove, accomplishes the same goal, knocks the guy out of the route or an incomplete pass, but
2: protects him yeah. from this I, conversation. I I, no, I I see what you're saying, but you're also t- taking the teeth out of the dog. You know what I mean? At some point, yeah. that, that's why the Bengals pay Vontez Perfect right. a lot of money. It's good for him to affect the game, whether it's right. through his play or through his past nature affecting the strategy of a game. I said this earlier. The the, the next uh, team they play, and it plays drawn up for that running back to cross the middle, he's going to say, yo, coach, uh-uh. Find right. somebody else to do that or change the game plan, which is, to, to me, some of the, the nuances and the beauty of the game of football is you can affect the other team's strategy through, through different ways. But either way, we'll, we'll see how it go. But I think you're right. I mean, they're going to make a, a an example of it. Uh, in the preseason. They're going to make an example of it um, from a guy that is largely looked on as, as a dirty player to probably get a little bit more uh, people in their tent and their line of thinking. But uh, you know that, that certainly doesn't help the Bengals because they have five very winnable games that, that they could you know – four out of the five, they are very, very winnable to start the season, yeah. and they're going to do it without him. So, so let's move on to that, Jim. How, how do you see this – first of all, do you, how do you see this affecting the roster? I know you and I have talked last time about you know maybe the Bengals possibly keeping a third quarterback or an extra wide receiver. Now they're going to have to carry an extra linebacker probably for the first five weeks of the season. How do you, do you, how do you see that affecting the roster maybe?
1: Yeah, and, and Paul Daner Jr. and I actually just discussed this very thing on our BBP Bengals League podcast over at com, Rocky. But, yeah, it, I do think Jeff Driscoll keeps – Keeps his spot. I, and I do think there are seven receivers. Um, so there's 10. I do think it goes 26 on offense, 24 on defense. I think that, I think that linebacker, uh, because look, when, when a player's suspended, just for fans out there to, to recall, this goes for Adam Jones as well, they don't count against the roster. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, Adam Jones minus Fontes perfect Let's just assume it's one game or, or two or whatever. Uh, that means the Bengals have 53 or fi- excuse me, 51 open spots for week one. And, and I think they will fill it by that position, meaning, uh, I think Ben A. Ben the, the free agent acquisition is kind of have an inside track to fill that sort of back end DB spot for mm-hmm. Adam Jones. He's playing good. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I, that really doesn't affect, he might not even be active. That That's just like a healthy body. For Perfect, um, I think Marquise Flowers is, is the beneficiary there, Rocky, for two reasons. One, special teams. Uh, Marquise has been here for years. He has played on special teams, and he can run. He can fly. He's got speed at that position. He can cover, uh, knows the defense. Uh, he's not replacing Vantes Burfecht, however, in the defense, that's no. Vinnie Ray. Nobody that's why is. you pay right. Vinnie
4: Ray, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. you know, twelve million dollars to do what he's done the last few years. So that's that's Nick Vigil and Kevin Minter. I think to start you have Vinnie Ray, um, and you know, frankly, Jordan Evans. Jordan Evans is really good as a rookie. Um, and then I, I think the the uh, uh, Marquise kind of fits that role of if you need a guy to get back in there that weak side. Look, Hardy Aikerson Jr., Brandon Bell. To undrafted rookies. They've played a lot. People are probably like, 53, I haven't seen 53 play in three games. Well, th- those undrafted rookies rock, and you know this, I've been playing in the middle. They've right. been playing middle linebacker, and, and look, Kevin Minner's only going to play, what, 20, 25 snaps in mm-hmm. the base defense. So what, why would you carry another middle linebacker only? That's true. So yeah, I, think, true. I think Marquise fills that role, and then they'd have to reevaluate all that, you know, injuries and whatnot. You
2: know,
5: when when Tesburg comes, comes
2: back, then maybe, right. uh, yeah, Benwicki or one of those guys, maybe they- It is Ryan
5: here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
2: Do you think it's just a natural, hey, they plug Vinny Ray in? Or do you think you see him, I don't know, using more nickel? Do you see him, you know, just schematically trying to, I don't know, how how do you see that playing out? Yeah, well, I mean,
1: look, nickel is their base now, right? Of course. So, Nick Vigil and and Vontez were going to start most of the time. I think, look, Kevin Minter and and Vinny Ray have their limitations as athletes. You know, uh, where they're not going to cover Jordan Reed and uh, Travis Kelsey 30 yards down the field. That's going to be Nick Vigil in this, in this spot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're going to see Kevin Minter and Vinnie Ray kind of alternate a little bit in that nickel spot. But all three will play together when they're in base. Uh, Kevin Minter as the middle linebacker. Um, and I do think Jordan Evans is going to get worked in there. Um, Rocky, I, you know, Maybe you could, maybe you can knock me off this horse here, but I mean, that kid is fast. He has looked so good. No, he's at big, times. he's fast, he has, yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's had some rookie issues, you know, um, but I do think he's sort of that X factor that might, you might see more. And then Carl Lawson, look, Carl isn't ready to play linebacker as a linebacker yet. Yeah. You don't want him in space and make, I mean, he's there to be your nickel edge rusher, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's going to be Minter, Ray, Vigil, Jordan Evans kind of filling in that back end. And, then of course, like I said, I, I think it will be Marquise Flowers. Obviously, we'll have to see what happens. But uh, I think that's how that linebacker room shakes out until Burkitt is back.
2: He is Jim Ozarski. Make sure you check him out on uh, Cincinnati.com. Always does great work uh, covering the Bengals. And Jim will be joining me uh, during this once the season starts every Thursday like we did last year. Very, very popular segment. and Jim, I look forward to that. And uh, keep up the good work, my friend. We'll talk soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Rock is a lot of fun. Cool, brother. Thanks so much. Talk to you then. Yep, we'll see you, uh, Jim Ozarski. Since I inquire, follow him on Twitter. What's his Twitter? At Jim Ozarski. O W C Z A R S K I. There you go. Let's quickly take a call. Let's go to uh, let's go to Jared. Jared, you're on the big one. Fire away. What do you got?
7: I just I'm I'm not even a Bengals fan. Um I like that team that you'd probably hang up on me if you had to that black and gold team to be honest. But I played very um, okay. <laughs> okay, um yeah. uh, your your listeners. Um I'm I don't think it was a dirty hit. Um telling a linebacker to go out there and not bust up a play when they're they're playing instinctually and they're reacting and you know, the people in the office and the fans of the other team, they have time to break it down frame by frame. Mm-hmm. When they're out there on the field, they don't have time. to Oh well, he didn't turn his head and and Ken Delger that played for the Colts. So I can remember ten or fifteen times where he got first downs where he was throwing a ball by Peyton Manning and he backed directly up. He never turned his head around and he just turned. He just caught it and he just started backpedaling for a first down. So I mean, it's I just I just don't think it's fair for. For perfect to be suspended. For no, I, I think it was, um,
2: I think you're absolutely right. He's being he's being targeted because of his past history. But to me, it's, it's not the same thing. And you're right. If you're expecting middle linebackers across the league to all of a sudden you know pull off on on hits and and you know n- not go after guys and try to you know t- separate ball from receiver. That's going to be tough because there's a lot of prideful middle linebackers out there that say, "Look, this is part of my my job description. Part of my job description is to break up passes. Part of it is to physically impose my will upon the other team." And that's that's and, and Jared, we got to run, but thanks for the call. That's that's part of the deal. And you know, right now, that's um, very much in question. I just think it's a a very vague rule and a slippery slope. Uh, let's do this. We will take a break. We'll come back with more. Seven hundred WLW. Tell you what, just watching some of the news covers of the floods in Houston and now heading towards Louisiana and then possibly back to Houston, Corpus Christi, obviously a totally awful situation, but in a a way, to me, it's uplifting because, I mean, the, the news is just horrible in this country, right? I mean, the relations between people and how people treat each other and the yelling, the screaming, the fighting back and forth all the time. I mean, this country is just an awful, awful shape. But I guess it's in a way good to get a reminder that there is still some goodness in the country, right? You turn on the news, you see these people. There's a they did a special on, not a special, but they just interviewed this guy, and he was this, you know, just a down home, just good old boy, and he was had like a, a little small boat with a little trolling motor on it, and he was just going around you know just helping people out driving up the houses picking these people up white people black people everything it, it was it was just it was fantastic to watch you know th- there is some goodness out there some things that give you hope when every day I don't know about you I wake up I'm like man this country is headed toward a civil war man this country is literally on its breaking point and and things are about to burst and and I I don't I'm not necessarily saying that that's not true but there's some hope out there when you see the, the goodness of people out there and how they come together. And, you know, I, I just like watching, you know, these these people, right? And they're sitting there. Everything is devastated, right? Everything is flooded. everything's you know, ripped to pieces. And what do you do, man? You've you got to pick yourself back up, you know, and compare it. Now, you do get some some views of people sitting there. Where's the government at? When's the government going to come help? But for the most part, you get the people that say, screw the government, I'm going to go help Help my neighbors out. Or, hey, I'm in the neighboring county. I'm, I'm going to drive down there. It's only like 20 minutes away, and I'm going to bring some water. I'm going to bring some food. I'm going to help some people out. am going to drive around in my truck and, and see what I can do. And that's to me, that's, that's what's absolutely fantastic, and it's, uh, it, it's cool, to, cool to see. Because, man, if you, if you don't see this kind of stuff once in a while, the goodness of people and the goodness of the country, you'd think we're getting ready to rip, rip each other's throats out. But by, by the way, one of the things I was thinking about this the other day, one of the things that that is just so the difference between, I think the difference in sides and how people view, like say you whether you support Trump or you don't support Trump. The difference is what makes it especially cruel is there's no respect among differences in the country, right? There, compare that to a great athletic contest. Compare that to Steelers v Bengals. Now I know that every player on the Bengals team wants to destroy the Steelers. I know they want to beat them up. I know they want to beat them by 50 points, right? They want to physically hurt them. But there's also a re- there's a respect there. And it's very, very important. It's very, very different than what you're seeing on, on the sides, again, of what's going on in the country. There's no respect of of the people that hate Trump of the Trump supporters. They can't in a million years understand why or even begin to want to grasp why someone may for instance, support Trump or see some of the benefits or see some of that, there's, there's absolutely no respect there, none whatsoever. And I think that's very, very dangerous. And I don't know how exactly we got there. I feel like, you know, even back in the 80s when there was, you know, different sides, and Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, uh, liberals, at least there was a somewhat of a respect, hey, Mac, I disagree with you here, and I think the direction of the country should be like this for X, Y, and Z reasons. But there was, like, not this, like, I mean, utter just, just – Utter, utter hatred. I mean, we're. I mean, I mean to the like at the point of like wishing harm uh, upon someone who doesn't think your way. No, no respect there. I think that's that's important. Um, I want to touch on this before we get back to the calls? Because I was I was talking a little bit about last a couple of weeks ago when the Charlottesville situation went down, right? And and a lot of people, and obviously the outcry was: there's these white supremacists and they're marching and. You know, by the way the media covered, you would have thought that there was thousands upon thousands of white supremacists there, and that there was actually t- thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not millions, of white supremacists in the country. I mean, that's kind of how the how the story, as the media portrayed it, was was given out there, right? When of, of course, that was different. And among the thousands of people that were in Charlottesville taking part of the protest, there was some say a hundred, if not uh, under a hundred actual, true, Nazi-wearing white supremacists. And I say at the time, if if you want to get rid of these people, th- the way to do it is to ignore them, is to absolutely ignore them and let them waller, wallow in their own miserable existence, and eventually they'll die out. And, and the example I, I'll, I'll give is something that happened in the news uh, today. The Westboro Baptist Church is apparently going to protest the Oak Hills uh, Gay-Straight Alliance. Okay, and you know, Westboro Baptist Church, everyone knows what they're about. They're like, well, like a Kansas-based church that, I mean, no one can really totally define what they're about, but they'll, you know, chant things and hold up signs like, you know, um, you know God killed soldiers because he hates gay people. I mean, just totally like off-the-wall bonkers stuff. And I remember there was kind of a time when people were like, like, kind of were outraged against these people. I feel like the Westboro Baptist Church is at a point now where people are like, these people are so goofy and so demented that's not even worth our time to show up, and certainly not worth our time and energy to get in a fight with, but now it's not even worth our time and energy to show up and speak out against them because they're so off the wall, and they're so at a point and so crazy that we're not going to change their opinion. So, okay, we're just just going to let them stand out there, do what they do, and they'll just continue to die off. I, I wish that same approach was taken with, White supremacists in this country, right? There's there's so few of them out there. Instead of showing up with baseball bats and Molotov cocktails and bottles of urine, looking for a fight with chains and all and, the, and, and riot helmets and things like that, ready to take them on, and because I uh, because of their twisted way of thinking, those people aren't changing their minds. Okay, they're certainly not going to change their minds out on a battlefield, which is what a protest is when people are amped up juices are flowing, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're ready to attack. Right? They're certainly not going to change their mind. So, A, don't, don't try to change their mind out there. And B, just, just, kind of just let, them, let them go. Just let them go. They'll kind of go on, and then afterward, nobody will give them any attention. The media won't give them any attention. And they'll go back, and the next time, you know what happens? Instead of 50 white supremacist protesters show up, there might be 45. And then the next time maybe there's it's, – it's, it, I, I feel that's the only way to deal with them. Having an honest conversation with them is not going to help. Too far gone, most of them, never going to change them, certainly not on, on a battlefield of, of, of some sort of protest demonstration. And you could draw a parallel, as I just did, between the Westboro Baptist Church. You're not going to change these people's minds. They are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So don't, don't give them a the time of day. And they'll just, okay, come out there, protest a little bit. Bye bye. See you later. Thanks for coming, and we can all move on with our lives. Five one three seven four nine seven thousand pounds seven hundred AT and T one eight hundred the big one. Let's go to the phones here. We got a caller calling all the way from Houston. Uh, Carl, you're on the phone. Uh, what do you got? Give us the lay of the land down there.
0: Okay. Well, Rocky, it's uh, getting. Floods were pretty bad here. Luckily, we're dry. I'm in a higher part of my neighborhood. But this morning, we did exactly what you said. We caught the uh, the Texas Civilian Militia. Our Neighbor Bart had a boat. He we went to the parts of the neighborhood that were almost eight, nine feet underwater. Got about, you know four or five different families out taking them to dry land. At the front of the neighborhood, there's a FEMA uh, shelter that they're taking them to. And they're even letting people bring their dogs as long as they're in cages, which is way nice, because some places wouldn't let you do it in past hurricanes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we're doing everything we can to go. But I'm more worried about Wednesday and Thursday, and I guess we're supposed to get another uh, foot and a half, two feet of rain. So if, as long as the water doesn't rise under 12 feet, I'll be okay while I am. But my neighbors are you know, going to be without a lot of things. So hopefully yeah. we're getting by okay. But um, you're spot on about the media. I think they're they blowing way out of proportion what you are just talking about. And you know the sad thing is, is uh, the president could get on the podium and fart, and they make a big he, he, hey, they about it. And no, they, they, they don't even, yeah, the yeah. they don't yeah.
2: even know what he did. But but I'm, 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 at this point, they, they've actually blamed him for the storms. They they blamed him for the hurricanes because of his uh, emitting oxygen that caused some sort of you know the stratosphere and the mesosphere combined together and actually that that's actually the reason if you didn't know that Carl why the, the storm actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> that, that's yeah, the yeah. kind of stuff we're at. But let me ask you this. So. Um, you know, again, you got people saying, "Oh, you know, it's utter chaos down there, and the people should have left, and they didn't." And some people saying, "No, they should have stayed in their homes, and actually, things are going all right." What's your viewpoint, Carl? Unbiased opinion okay. of how how things are, are are working out down there?
0: It depends on what part of town you are. Don't forget, we are the fourth largest city in America, and everything. It's like Columbus, Cincinnati, and Cleveland all combined with the suburbs too, the Tri State commuting and everything. But some parts, depending on where, there's a probably at least. About thirty thousand people that, that had that had to evacuate, and uh, <clears throat> there's there's quite a few things. It's in the lower lying areas, I guess. They say this is the Millennium flood, a record flood they've had here. They said the biggest flood they've had. This was like mm-hmm. maybe half the size, or, and things like that. They that yeah, they're, we're getting by, okay. There's been a few deaths, or maybe some people who are going to lose their homes, which is pretty sad. I guess flood insurance is separate from uh, regular homeowners. I'm not sure most people were. It's probably like a, we're in the we're in the flood zone. It actually did. But, uh, well, you know, you know the, those
2: insurance companies; those bastards are going to declare bankruptcy, and you'll never see a cent. That's how that deal usually works. But don't get me that, on, on that, that on that on that horse right there.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's true. But you know, but, but you know, we're, we're lending a hand when we can. That we're going to be making donations. We're just going to you know just lace our boots up and just work hard and help each other out and, 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 and be a community, regardless of your race, color, creed, or whatever like that. In our neighborhood, there's like a,
4: black,
0: there's, a there's a black woman, the Hispanic and a nation thing and things of people of all things. We helped rescue this morning, yeah. and all everybody's all lending a hand too. Like, in their boats and driving around. So it's but we, we what's bad about it is we'd like to have a boat to get everywhere in, in, in the city, but the thing thing is we can go to a parts where it's flooded But we can't get our cars through there to the dry part. We we, what they really need to do to save everybody is bring in a bunch of boats and drop in by helicopter, and that'd be the best bet. So yeah, 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 drop a bunch of
2: yeah boats in there and just let the people take over. I mean, I'm of the opinion that you sit around and you wait for the government to do something, you're going to be waiting a long, long time. And rather go to the people like yourself. This is the community that they live in. You have much more vested interest in helping the people and helping the town and help clear debris and help all that you know, help possessions out, things like that. Than someone. Uh, who lives totally out of the state doesn't know the lay of the land doesn't know the nature of the people in the community down there i i'd say man let let the let the people in the community like yourselves give them the resources and let them let let them go to work let them go to work
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head there, buddy. But hey, bro, appreciate you taking my call. Who they from the H-town? I don't know how I'll do it out perfect, but uh <laughs> we do well. I'm an Ohio native. I've been down here about, about 10, 12 years from my second hurricane. Ike, we had, back in 08, we had no power for three weeks. There was a lot of wind damage, but this was all flood damage. So we, all I all right. power, thank God. But uh, yeah, we'll do what we can to survive it. I keep at least 90 days of uh, food supply ever since that happened. Never go again. I'll, I won't be my pants down. So hopefully I don't have to get my generator
2: out. So. Well, there you go. Carl, God bless you, my friend. And, and best of luck with everybody down there. And, and keep doing God's work, all right? Okay, thank you, Rocky. Take care. Thank you, partner. All right, very good caller. Carl from Houston. Um, Let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with some more. 700-WLW. So how about this one? This came out, I believe, uh, late last week. A potential unity ticket between Kasich and Hinkle Looper. Pinkle Pooper or Jinkle Booper whatever. Yeah, Hinkle Looper. The guy from Colorado, the governor, um, who's a Democrat. And a lot of people are saying this has some legs that these two may get together as a really what it is, an anti-Trump ticket and hoping to maybe get some, um, you know, middle of the road Democrats and maybe some Republicans who don't happen to not like Trump and you add all them up and they'll be able to oust Trump. Now, which now Hinkle Looper basically said, "Eh, this, this ain't going to happen. This doesn't have legs. Now Kasich of course says, you know, the the typical line of, I'm if the country calls me and that I'll be there, whatever. Um, the question is, what would what would this ticket run as? Now, in my opinion, it's just my now. First of all, by the way, I predicted um, last year during the when the uh, the primaries were going on, and it was right when Kasich jumped uh, dropped out. I said the, the following: I said that Kasich don't. I wouldn't be surprised if Kasich came out, turned over to a Democrat, and ran against Trump because. You know, he, and he'd be a little bit more, more middle of the road. And this, I I said that, and this is potentially what's going on here. The problem, in my opinion, is I don't see how he could run as a Democrat because right now he is not anywhere near liberal enough. Right now, a Democrat party is in a fight to out liberal the other person, out wacko the other person and go further and further left. Like more Elizabeth Warren, the next candidate they put out there is going to make Bernie Sanders look like Ronald Reagan. That's my opinion. that's the direction they keep going, is further and further to the left. So a guy who's a little more middle of the road and kind of, no, they have anything to do with him. Same reason they didn't have anything to do with Jim Webb. Jim Webb, you probably don't even know who I'm talking about. But he was a part of the first Democratic primary. Former military guy, like pretty reasonable, like middle of the road, like, you know, four jobs for the common man kind of Democrat. And no one gave him the time of day because he was, you know, wasn't like, didn't make, uh, you know, whatever, transgender bathrooms like the most important issue in the freaking, you know, stratosphere, right? So I don't know how a Kasich runs as a Democrat. To run as a Republican is obviously going to be tough. Does he run as an independent? If he does that, He'll certainly he'll never win, but maybe maybe he's just spiteful enough to say, "Look, maybe if I can split uh, get some of the Trump voters and get Trump out of office and then turn the country over to uh, the Democrats, a very very liberal Democrat, maybe, maybe that's his strategy. maybe he hates Trump that much or wants to be president that much. I have no idea, but he, he can't run as a Democrat because unfortunately in this country he's, he's you know the way things are going he's not liberal enough. All right, so let's do this. We will take a break. We'll come back with more. Seven hundred WLW. Yes, But the rock is cooking! All right, we are back. Two hours in the hole. One hour to go. The Rocky Boyman Show News Radio seven hundred WLW. So I was thinking about something during the break. You know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, right? The, um, player, running back extraordinaire for the uh, Dallas Cowboys, is facing a six-game suspension. Uh, because of his potential domestic violence incident, which is very very murky now, because of they, they found text a text chain between the girlfriend and another friend saying, "Look, basically back and forth of I, I think I can extort some money. I have Ezekiel Elliott here, and I have a sex tape. If I release it, how much do you think I could get, girl? I think you get ten thousand. I'll screw ten thousand. I think I get twenty thousand, and a big old mess. But nevertheless, let, let's say you know this goes down." you're going to have a potential scenario here where Ezekiel Elliott gets less gets his 6 game suspension reduced down to 3 or 4 and for potential domestic violence right and the Avantes Burford getting a 5 game suspension withheld for a hit on a wide receiver that is very nuanced and very debatable in terms of the uh, lethality of it let's let's say if that happens, if Ezekiel Elliott gets his suspension knocked down to three games, and Vontez Burfict gets withheld to five, g- grab the, the the torches and the pitchforks. because People are going to lose their minds, and, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, I, I I could see a scenario where that happens because, like uh, like Jim Ozarski said earlier, man, if, uh, you know, Vontez the last time he appealed uh, to Derek Brooks, he didn't get didn't uh, get get anything uh, re- uh, reduced at all. And uh this could that's nah, that's gonna be something. So uh a couple other things here. What do you think about the uh the uh the Unity ticket? Kasich and, and Pinkle Pooper. Link Hinkin Looper Hinkin Looper? Yeah, that one. I'm having fun with that name, by the way, if you couldn't tell. Uh do you think that that has potential legs? I I say it doesn't. I say it doesn't because John Kasich, if he ran as a Democrat, okay, he would drink join Hinkle Looper, um who's a Democrat, and they all of a sudden became a Democrat ticket. No way he could even get off the ground because um, right or wrong, he's not near liberal enough for what the de- for the direction of the the Democratic Party right now is going further and further and further way, way, way left. And we got to destroy all the monuments and every the the biggest issues in the world are transgenders in the military and and all this stuff. Forget about the common man. Forget about the working man and all that stuff. Nope, doesn't matter. It's social issues galore. Because of that, in my opinion, John Kasich could never even get off the ground as a Democrat, which is in a way unfortunate because there's things he could do that, you know, things that make a lot of sense about his campaign, couldn't get off the ground. Um, Which raises a question, I mean, with that that in mind, the fact that the the vocal side of the Democratic Party seems to sway toward, well, the Democratic Party seems right now, sway toward the the loudest voices and the loudest voices are the ones that make all the social issues the biggest greatest thing in the entire world so therefore they're kind of swayed by that so with that said i i don't you know knowing that that's the way that goes but the process but really the, the the actual middle of the country and a lot of the people in the country don't necessarily want to go that way and are kind of more middle of the road hey man where's or am I going to have a job? Am I going to give away, uh, you know, take home more than I give to the government? That sort of thing. Who is a candidate right now, as, as crazy as Donald Trump is, is, you know, in a way uh, off the, I want to say off the rails because I think that's a misnomer. But in a way, uh, the, the, the administration, everything is kind of, you know, just been a little bit chaotic, a lot chaotic. Okay, I'll be honest, a lot chaotic. Um, who is who is someone right now that could beat Donald Trump right if the election is tomorrow? Who is it? I got... One ticket in my mind that I know for a fact could beat him. Other than that, I don't I, I think it would at least be questionable. A a ticket of Oprah Winfrey and Joe Biden would win hands down. Period, end of story. It's over. Other than that, in my humble opinion, I don't know who out there could 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 you could say for certain. Now maybe coulda sorta kinda if they get the right thing. The Kamala Harris woman, I know she's um what's she from? California? Um senator, I believe. She's kind of getting some traction. People are talking about her, but she just had a I mean she had a statement the other day, something talking about how <laughs> we, we need to listen and incorporate the voice of children more in our government. In other words, we need to listen to more of what kids think and get their opinions on how our country should be run. Apparently, Camilla Harris does not have kids because she would know that's ridiculous. Kids say ridiculous things and don't know much about like the country and like, you know, like hard stuff like the economy and this and that. So that was I was that was a bit of a head scratcher. So I don't know who else could beat the, who could beat the Trumpster at this point. Again, I'm talking certified lockdown. No questions asked. Winfrey and Joe Biden. That, that's a landslide. See you later. Super super likable is Oprah Winfrey, Joe Biden super likable. You know all the other factors are going at other than that, I have no idea. Five one three seven four nine seven thousand pound seven hundred AT and T one eight hundred big. Enough if you have any comments on that, um, I thought this was interesting. So we're living in a time right now where uh, the the monuments are the biggest thing in the world, right? That's everyone wants to know the, the monuments. Every single monument has to be taken down, and the in the danger of what's happening, of what I thought would happen is happening right now, and that is.
5: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18
2: plus. Okay, maybe Robert E. Lee needs to go, which is, is dumb. But maybe some of these, these Confederate monuments need to be reconsidered, which is, of course, as I predicted now, matriculated into, you, you see around the country, you see a Thomas Jefferson Memorial that's being targeted by Al Sharpton. Um... Uh, de Blasio in New York is now, folks are getting behind, uh taking down a monument of Christopher Columbus because he was not a, he didn't discover America, he invaded it. We see the Abe Lincoln statue in Chicago has been uh defaced, if you will. There's also a Chicago pastor uh, who wants Washington's name removed from a park because he was a slaveholder, which it's, it's gotten to the point where it's just, I mean, again, you know erasing history and and you know th- that sort of deal, which i disagree with the thing that's interesting is this okay an article i read um despite all this you know just hubbub about memorials and, and monuments need to be removed two new polls by liberal media outlets cast doubt on just how much support there is for actual statue removal okay and get this an npr poll, okay, not exactly uh, a um, you know, a Reagan, a Republican poll, uh, last week found that 62% of respondents thought that statues honoring leaders of the Confederacy should remain as a historical symbol, quote-unquote, okay? Only 27% of those polls wanted the statues removed. Here's the kicker. It was noteworthy that by 44%, african Americans did not support removing confederate statues. Can you believe that? Can you believe that I mean you would think that that but I actually can't believe it because if you look at the on the you see the news and you see watch the the videos of the statues and the monuments that are getting taken down it's all it's 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 all white people that are taking the statues down. It's just what am I saying I don't know you figure it out but it, i i think I think that's at least interesting so apparently across the nation um african Americans are not as Offended by these statues, as some might might think, and I, and I, I think my opinion is this is it has nothing it has less to do with the statues and the and the the actual pain it causes This is a total war on the midterms right this is an issue that's going to get brought up to try to destroy um, people on the other side uh, Republican conservative candidates when it comes to midterm elections, and eventually, if they can keep the momentum of this, momentum of this up long enough. Potentially used to take down Donald Trump. Now, my other thing with the attention being on the monuments is this. Meanwhile, while you know the, 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 you know, the statue here is getting taken down, and we got to take down this statue because this and that. Meanwhile, not one, the, the murder rate in Chicago has not dropped one percentage point. Right now, there's been through today in Chicago 466 homicides. And that uh, because of, you know, with all the removal of some of the statues that, you know, you would think if it was if the statues were that big of a point of contention that you would see, oh, my God, now these, these monuments are brought down. and Now, all of a sudden, things are better. Things are more better in the country. And no, nothing has nothing to do with that. Why would the focus not be on, hey, let's look at Chicago. Let's look at New York. Let's look at L.A. Let's look at these cities that have these astronomical amounts of homicides, murders, gang activity. That's something that is that is actually affecting people. I like, like like actually I mean it it's affecting them because they're dying. People are dying. So let's let's put our energy and, and our minds towards that. Let's put our mind and our energy towards getting behind some of these infrastructure policies that are coming down the line. Which if you like Donald Trump or not, the fact is the dude wants to do something that is not exactly a conservative ideal, and that is pass a one trillion dollar. Infrastructure policy, right? In other words, rebuild some of the roads, rebuild some of the factories that are dying in some of these cities, rebuild, you know, transportation, all this sort of thing—roads, bridges, this and that—something that would help, you know, a someone who out there work, regardless of political uh, party, something that would help them. So you think people would say, you know, let's put all this aside. Donald Trump does some clownish things, but man, this is, this could really benefit us. Let's, you know, for nothing else, let's get behind him on this issue. Nope nope it's it's the statues statues are offending me statues are effect they're not at all no not one person's life is being changed by these statues getting removed and as I said last week i'll say it again there's there, a a point can be made that maybe these some of these certain ones have to be looked at, but it cannot be done with a mob mentality. There needs to be more of a rational level headed discussion on This monument versus that monument. I would say there needs to be a vote. There needs to be cases made. It needs to be something like this, other than people uh, running up on a monument and under the cover of darkness taking a sword and cutting the head off set a monument or throwing a rope around it and pulling the monument down. It needs to be done in a more orderly, structured fashion, if we want to have this discussion. But but my main point is these things are not affecting the daily lives of people this is purely a political thing it's to get energy It's to build a, a case in the midterm to try to unseat per, you know folks in certain seats and and get other people involved in this and let's make a race an issue race is always the biggest issue apparently that people think out there and in my opinion that's what this is about but i thought it was interesting that that amongst all the all the angst out there in this particular poll 44 uh, percent of african americans did not Support removing the Confederate statues. I thought that was interesting. Five one three seven four nine seven thousand pound seven hundred AT T one eight hundred a big one. So let's do this. We will take a break and we will come back with some more. We got uh, Jason Williams of the Cincinnati Enquirer joining us here to talk about the Cincinnati uh, Council race at uh, eleven thirty. But we'll take a break. And we'll come back with more seven hundred WLW. Welcome back to the show. A couple uh, other NFL sports related news here. Um, my producer Terren Bland and I were talking about this. Uh, so Julian Edelman uh looks to be lost for the rest of the season with an ACL injury. You know, you know, at one point you go, damn, that's that's a that's a tough receiver to 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 fill the void there. But as as Taren Bland said, you know they're just gonna find some guy off the scrap heap, someone no one someone no one ever heard of. He's gonna come in, it's gonna be amazing. It's essentially what they did last year with the, the Chris Hogan guy. This is a guy that like what the like played football at Monmouth and then went to Penn state and played lacrosse. And then like, you blink your eyes and he had like 200 yards receiving in the AFC championship game. Like, how does this happen? How do they find these people? Well, it's because they're the best run organization in, in football. They, you know, they, they, you know, they scout, they do all their homework. It's, it's amazing. So, uh, yeah, probably not wise to count out the Patriots even without Julian Edelman. Um, what was I thinking about? I was thinking about so oh so I was I was seeing also on the news here about the uh they were showing the, the the violence, the Antifa violence, Antifa, Antifa, however you want to say it. Um here's what I don't understand is you often see these groups um that are shutting down for they're supposed to be against fascism, but yet they show up and try to to interrupt free speech is what they're doing you know it may be deplorable free speech it may be free speech that you don't necessarily agree with maybe free speech that hardly anybody agrees with but nevertheless they're supposed to be anti-fascist but they're showing up to shut down free speech that's number one part that's that's odd number two is ask yourself a question if why if you're proud of your actions why would you wear a mask right and that goes for anybody whether you're you know in the KKK or you're on the uh, in the Antifa the on the other side of it right you see these people showing up to, at these protests and showing up to cause violence wearing a mask now to me if you're doing something in life you know pretty sure my dad taught me this at some point along the line if you're doing something you're proud of you, you don't hide your face in fact you want to do the exact opposite you want people hey look at me man I'm doing something that's that's great that's something that's profound something that's life-changing something that you could be proud of something that I could be proud of, right? But if you're showing up with a mask on, you're showing up with a scarf around your face and a hood draped over your your head with sunglasses on, so people can't identify you. To me, that would mean you're probably there for no good, right? You're probably showing up to not do, um, to uh, you know, help instill goodness into the world. Now, if it were me, if I were like the sheriff or whoever in charge of a certain, if one of these groups wanted to show up. I would not let them in. You would no way you would be let on the premises to hold your protest, even with your permit. Whatever you wouldn't be allowed to show up if you had a, a, some sort of mask or something covering your face, because that meant to me you're not showing up there to do any sort of good. You're showing up there to do things that will conceal your identity because you seek to do harmful things, right? Illegal things, things that inflict pain and injury upon people. I I, I don't know how you how you even have. Those folks show up and and just say, oh yeah, come on in here. We'll watch you, but they're they're not showing up to do any sort of good uh, whatsoever. Um, so so that's that. Other than that, I just want real quick when I wanted to comment on social media is the funniest thing. I feel like like once a show, I I kind of speak out again how much I hate it. But another example, the okay in the in the Bengals preseason game there were uh, were Kevin Huber were the the Redskins they they rushed the punt and. You know they were getting ready to block it, but he did kind of behind the back thing. Well, that turned into like like a, a a video on on Twitter and on social media that everyone was just loving, right? And call me crazy, but it's like that. That's what that's the odd part about social media is that that was a an awful play, a play that also resulted. It's not like he flipped the ball behind his back, ran to his left, and kicked the ball with his opposite foot. Now that would be an amazing play, but just the fact that he kind of pulled the ball behind his back. And then got destroyed for like a you know a three yard gain. Didn't get the first down. I don't I don't know why that's that that's like awesome, but, but it's like people miss miss like, like the point of what you know of of what was going on. The, the real crime in that, by the way, was the fact that the Bengals lined up. They had ten guys on the field. The real crime is that the you know on one side of the line you got the guard, you got the tackle, and you got the wing. The tackle didn't look to his right and say, "Hmm, there's somebody missing here. I better." Call timeout or at least yell and scream like, yo, hey, where, where's my guy at? We, we practiced this a thousand times in camp and I always have this guy to my right and this certain guy to my left. And right now there's nobody here. That was the real crime of that, of that entire play is how I don't know how that, I don't know how that happened. How nobody jumped up and down and screamed and said, hey, look, man, we got to get somebody in here or took a delay, a game penalty, anything, then get the punt blocked. And of course, it's a preseason game and that, you know, would probably would not happen with. First-team starters in there, but nevertheless, that was that. that was odd. All right, so let's do this. We will take a break. we got the bottom of the hour news, and then uh, Jason Williams from the uh, Cincinnati Enquirer is going to join us. We'll talk about the, uh, the race, the Cincinnati City Council race coming down. Uh, Twenty-seven uh, candidates uh, vying for nine spots. Some incumbents, some new folks, some new faces out there. We'll break that down here next. 700-WLW. All right, welcome back to the show here. Coming up here, uh, top of the hour, of course, uh, Steve Summers takes over with America's Trucking Network. But right now, I want to uh, talk with our good friend Jason Williams from the Cincinnati Enquirer to get uh, a little perspective on, on the race coming down the line. That, of course, is the Cincinnati City Council race. Twenty-seven contestants in this race are vying for nine positions. And uh, join us right now, again, Jason Williams from the Cincinnati Enquirer. Jason, how are you? Good rock, how you doing? Very good. So uh, so let's good. talk about this. First of all, let me ask you this, Jason. What what is the expected well I, I guess what was the normal turnout for for city council races by number usually?
3: Uh voter turnout yeah. is it's it's about the same a little bit more than the the uh mayoral race which is 29% in 2013. Okay. Um so it's a little a little bit higher just Because some people just come and they vote for uh, a handful of city council members and then leave, (laughs) turn their ballot in and leave. (laughs) Right. Um, So yeah, like like for example, uh, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the numbers just because the numbers go around around in my head. So,
2: but but about you're saying about twenty five thirty percent turnout, which is I mean not exactly that high for a a pretty important position on city, and, and we're talking about city council, right?
3: yeah the the cincinnati city election in 2013 i do know it was 29% turnout okay so uh you know that was for the mayor and the mayor and the nine council seats were on the ballot that year, and there was 29% of voters turned out that year.
2: Right, so in the mayoral race... pretty bad. Right, it's pretty bad, and the mayoral race will also be on this ticket as well. So, so look at some of the uh, the, the candidates here, uh, Jason. Obviously, the, the incumbents, we have Amy Murray, who's the, the lone Republican. We have Wendell Young, David Mann, P.G. Sittenfeld, Chris Seelbach. Uh, out of those, again, incumbents, folks that have been on city council, uh, a lot of them for a while... How do you how do you gauge this race? Any, any surprises coming out of, out of this list of incumbents?
3: No, and I think I think Christopher Smitherman also. So there's six incumbents. That's right. He's on there as well. Um, yeah,
2: sorry. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. No. No surprises. I I think barring any anything crazy, they all six get reelected. Um, it's it actually we're down to 25 people now because a couple people didn't have enough valid signatures, mm-hmm. and they're still checking. Uh, for two other folks, but these are kind of people who you wouldn't recognize and are not kind of household names per per se in Cincinnati. So you're looking at 25, 23 people in the race. Um, there were 21 in 2013. Um, the thing is, I, I, you know, the six incumbents, I don't, I wouldn't expect them to have any problems getting reelected. Uh, I think I wrote in my story last or my column last week was that you always have to, if you're a Republican in this blue trending city, you all, you can't take anything for granted, right. even though Amy Murray is has been a very good council uh, person, is very uh, respected and well-liked on both sides of the aisle. Uh, she's still taking nothing for granted. I heard today that she's probably – uh um, Going to potentially even hit like four hundred thousand dollars raised for the race. I know wow. she was at over one hundred and thirty uh, for halfway through the year, so wow. that wouldn't surprise me.
2: No, yeah. no, I mean I, I certainly I, I like Amy Murray a lot. I think she does a fantastic job. But I guess my only it, the the concern with her is look back at the last race. You know, Tracy Winkler gets beat. Right, when's the last time a Winkler yep. got beat in Hamilton County? Um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a you know demographic that's trending more Democrat, trending more liberal. So I just wonder how that how that works out for her.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I mean, in, in this race, uh, you don't have to get, I mean, it being a field race, she finished ninth last time, um, and beat Lori Quinlevin by 800 and some votes who finished 10th and our first runner up. Um, the, the field is, is not as strong this time. I don't feel like, um, but again, I don't think you can take anything for granted as a as a Republican um and I, and she's not like she's out working hard and raising mm-hmm. a lot of money mm-hmm. and um you know the party actually the party being the statewide party views her as a part of having a big future in in the party yeah. and so she's really I mean she's got to win uh, this re-election to stay on that track potentially be there's been a lot of talk about her maybe being Mike DeWine's Lieutenant Governor, um, she clearly would have to win her city council race to sort of stay on that track.
2: Right, but but if she could win that, obviously if she can, you know, become the the lone Republican in an area that's going to be all Democrat or, or other or otherwise, that's uh-huh. that's going to bode very well for her future.
3: Oh, absolutely, it absolutely will. And uh, I I just I think she just has, she has a bright future in the party, and I I honestly. I don't I don't think she's gonna have a problem getting reelected to council, but you know, you just never know with the I would have said I did say this that the Tracy Winkler wouldn't have gotten beat by AfTab pure of all last yeah, year. Yeah, or a Dieters would by have got golly, beaten
2: in, in in Hamilton County. That's it's unheard of.
3: It, it is unheard of, although that one was a little different because you yeah. had three House, which is another big name, and I you look at the top of the ticket and Hamilton County went for Hillary and so that one wasn't so much a
2: surprise. Right. What about this? I know you talked about this in your article. By the way, look up Jason's article. Broke down the race, you know, but by every which way, right, of, of how this thing could go. Uh, you, talk what, yeah, no, you talk about, Yeah, no, you talked about Wendell Young. <laughs> That's a good one, because you and I talked uh, about a month ago when that whole, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, gangster-like uh, takeover of trying to ch- uh, finagle a few more dollars at a children's hospital, and he was absent from some meetings. So do you think that, Action will will affect uh, Wendell Young possibly. I, I, you know, I think it's
3: certainly worth looking at. I think he will he'll lose some votes because of it, but in the end, your overall uh, all you need to pull in the overall vote to get on council is about five and a half percent of the overall vote. So, in a field race, like if you have a strong base, which he has, a strong. Right. Uh, base in, a, in an African American voting block. Um, and if you have a strong base or bases like that, you've got a great chance of getting back on. He certainly has not, uh, upset, uh, that base of folks, um, or that base of uh, voters. Um, where, you know, it hurt him, I think is probably with some among like white Democrats, right. uh, might view it as, uh, I don't, I didn't like that decision in terms of, The economic development aspect of it, but it's certainly something to watch. Uh, He finished seventh last time, uh, so it wasn't like he was a big shoe in last time. But I mean, his his name is very strong in terms of in city elections. He's been around long enough now, and so in the end, I don't think he this costs him the the election.
2: Jason Williams of the Cincinnati Enquirer joins. We're uh, getting uh, breaking down the uh, city council race coming up here now you you, in your article you talked about top and jason turn if you had a radio on turn that radio down in the background i think we're getting a little little feedback there Um, oh
3: i was out here i'm I'm out here walking on the street in wyoming there's like a there was a a fire truck just drove by. Oh,
2: okay, got gotcha, you, got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Okay. No, no problem. Are you, okay now? No, yeah, it's perfect. Um, so you okay, talked okay. about uh, top returning contenders, uh, Laurie Quinn Levin, who's been on council before. Also, uh, Greg Landsman and Michelle Dillingham. Now, tell me a little bit about Greg Landsman and Michelle Dillingham, because I frankly don't know much about them.
3: Yeah, Greg Landsman is. Uh, um, he's around forty years old. He's been he's a former. He was part of the Ted Strickland administration. When uh, yeah, he was governor, I think he was this base-based uh, guru. I'm not. I can't remember the exact title that he had in, in his administration, but he did a lot of community engagement types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and is raising a ton of money. He finished uh, third for the first six months of the year. The only there are only three people who brought in six figures, and it was PG Sittenfeld, Amy Murray, and Greg Landsman. Wow. Um, he was the guy who was very instrumental in getting the preschool levy passed last year in the city of Cincinnati. Okay. His background is, his background is educational policy. And so he, um, worked for this organization called strive, which is an educational partnership program. And he really, uh, I mean, he's been praised from, all angles for for making that happen, and it passed. It's a levy that passed with flying colors, and levies are hard to pass around here. And he, it passed by like twenty points.
2: No, no, no question. Obviously, with his with that kind of background and the fact, you know, the name recognition obviously in elections, whether it's city council or anything, is everything. So the fact that he has a bit of name recognition is good. What about uh, Michelle Dillon? Yeah. what's what's the what's the story with that?
3: And I'll point out too; uh, those two also ran. Uh, in 2013 and they finished, I just called it, uh, second and third runner up. Um, so whatever that is, 11th and 12th. Okay. Uh, Michelle Dillingham is a, uh, social worker from Kennedy Heights, um, very, uh, progressive liberal, um, very, uh, is a, a lot of times out in front on a lot of, um, you know, when you see a lot of protests, uh, in terms of, like women's marches you'll see her out a lot of those she's really made a name for herself in terms of getting out in the community in that way uh, i hate the term grassroots because it's overused but I, I think of the term grassroots and i think of her like she's not someone who's raised a lot of money but she's made a name for herself uh, by really getting out there and just sort of beating beating the path and knocking on doors and Making sure she's everywhere and working hard in that way.
2: Jason, last yeah. thing for, uh, before I let you run here. Um, race is obviously right around the corner in November. Are there any sort uh-huh. of issues or sort of things that will help narrow this field down a little bit that you can see as we get closer to November?
0: Man, that's
3: tough. I know we talked about three or four, uh, three weeks ago or something about what are the defining issues in this race. It's still really tough to figure out what that's going to be. And I, I think maybe that's part of why Seth Maney was trying to, other than make a name for himself, he's trying to establish something that to get, to grab headlines, um, you know, by going after another council member, a field race that's kind of ill advised to do that in a field race. It's more of a horse race kind of thing. Mm.
4: Um,
3: I, you know, there, there's been talk about blight in the city. That's been a big issue. And not a sexy issue like the streetcar was four years ago, um, but there's been a lot of talk about that, and I've heard council candidates talk about that. Uh, there's talk about poverty. Um,
2: right, but, but no big, but, like, yeah, streetcar or uh, sanctuary city, you know, nothing, like, really big yeah. kind of headline-grabbing like exactly, that. So, exactly.
3: Right. I, I do think I do think you're going to see this this children's hospital vote that was done earlier in the month come back to uh come back to roost i guess in this in this election in terms of oh,
2: yeah it'll be used absolutely the yeah certainly in the
3: mayor's it. race it'll be used but um you know I, I don't know it's just been really it's been really tough to gauge like you i, I ask this stuff all the time and i uh, people don't seem to really know what it's going to be
2: gotcha well good deal jason look we, we got it yeah. run, my friend but uh Appreciate uh, your time here tonight. Make sure you check out Jason's work, uh, Politics Extra, on Cincinnati.com. And, Jason, we'll talk again soon, all right? Thanks,
3: Rock. Sounds Thanks. great. Appreciate thank it. You.
2: Thank you. Thank you. All right, good stuff from Jason, as always. So, uh, folks, that uh, does it for me here tonight. I will be back tomorrow uh, as the for the Extra Innings show as the Reds take on the Mets, which is an odd kind of pairing there, especially this late in the season. But either way. I will be back tomorrow after the game, but right now it's time for America's and Network with Steve Summers. I want to thank my producer, Taryn Bland, for his great work. Folks, we'll see you tomorrow. 700-WLW. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
4: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
5: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.